so now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to light the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week, as usual, and say, OK, it's a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel as we get ready for our pre-Queensland Raceway Ipswich round of the year. Craig, you're heading up for it. Yeah, looking forward to some warmer weather. I had last weekend in Sydney where I was in t-shirts and come back to Canberra for the week ahead and I'm definitely not wearing a t-shirt here. I can tell you it's chilly, okay. so the end of the week will be very pleasant. Make sure you've got your jumper nearby because at Ipswich, when the sun goes down, the temperature does as well. Indeed. It's a chilly old place. But anyway, looking back at Ipswich, uh, last year Shane and Scott McLaughlin shared the wins. Scotty took, uh, in fact, he's taken the last four pole positions um, so he uh, clearly, although obviously he's got a new car this year, he clearly likes the place and is uh, just as likely to add to his uh, 2019 tally. The last pole man who wasn't in a DJR Team Penske car was uh, Scott, um, not Scott, Chris Pither <laughs> in the Super Black car back in 2016, um, who of course uh, had a go at the uh, number 33, which uh, Caruso is backing up his Townsville uh, event, isn't he, uh, this weekend? Yep, that is correct. The other big uh, change for this weekend is Park Ferme. Now, you've gone through the various things. There are a a fair number of things they can and can't do. Is that correct? Yeah. They have extended it, so the tyres on the car at qualifying stay on the car. Not much they can really do on the car unless uh, they have permission. That is, of course, fixing any damage they have to get permission to do. But otherwise... They are still allowed to use the blanking covers in qualifying, which I thought was interesting. But And then they don't have to go out there with a, a load of fuel that they plan on starting the race. That could have been an interesting change that they've decided not to do at this time. So otherwise, what you ran at qualifying, camber, caster, spring rates, shock absorbers, they have to stay on the car, and e, and as I said, the wheels have to remain on the car at all times as well. So it's look, it worked really well in Tasmania, if you want my opinion, um, which I think he did, and I think this will be a good extension of it. And of course, it's a back to back because the Super Twos also uh, join the paddock uh, again. Um, or just as an aside, I saw that Steve Richards is uh, getting out one of the Super Utes. Um, driving uh, Charlie Schwerkholz's super ute there. That's an interesting addition. Of course, he's uh, uh, with Mark Winterbottom, uh, an old partnership re, uh, rejoining, albeit for the first time they'll be in a uh, home together. Yes, so that's indeed. an interesting aside on the day. Yeah. Um, big news also about Sandown. They, of course, they had a state round last weekend, and now the uh, circuit is uh, very busy at work, although the rain wouldn't be helping them at this stage as they're doing their Sandown upgrade, ready for, first of all, I think it's actually a Shannon's National Round in September, and, of course, in November is when the 500 runs. Um, it'll be the last 500 probably uh, Sandown will see, as the event will more than likely be rescheduled to the Tail and Bend venue from here on in. Um, 
Interesting, uh, the centre of gravity has been uh, looked at. So Tim Edwards and Alistair McVean have spoken about what the challenges have been for the change in centre of gravity ahead of the Queensland Raceway round. There's been a lot of controversy about this year, but in actual fact we're quite happy about the change that's been made because we've gone from having 28 kilos of lead up in the roof of the car, and most of you all have seen photos of that, and we've been able to remove roughly a third of that, which allows us to put it back on the floor of the car. So part of the recent centre of gravity change is that what we're doing is we're actually changing some of the lead that's on the roll cage at the top, and what we're doing is that the header rails at the front and rear of the screens they're actually composite at the moment and we're changing them back to the steel OE panels so it's a much better solution than having lead wrapped around the roll cage. It's actually a really good thing for the sport because now we've got, instead of having 20 cars on the grid with, with ballast up in the roof, we'll actually only have the six Mustangs with ballast in the roof. So. You know, I think that's a positive for the sport and as a team we're quite happy about the change. As opposed to the previous changes which were designed to equalise the performance between the Nissan Mustang and the ZB Commodore, we are just changing the performance of the cars equally this time. So basically what we've done, as we saw previously in the Commodore, we've had to add 5.8 kilos and we added it just in the roof line, uh, which raised the centre of gravity height for us by about 5 to 6 millimetres. Now we've been allowed to take this back out as we've done and we've put it all down at the bottom of the chassis back to where it was before. Uh, the Nissan, they've been allowed to take some ballast off their engine block and the side of the chassis rails which was previously put there to uh, equalise their engine because they run an aluminium engine and they've put that right at the bottom so that's how they've equalised theirs down. So basically no effective changes between the models, purely what we've done here is just uh, simplify the build of the cars, take some weight out from points of the chassis which it shouldn't really be and make the cars overall faster. Given that the, uh, the, they're pretty low speed corners, most of them at Queensland, it's likely it's not going to have any impact there. Would you agree? No, I, I actually think it will have an effect and we could see okay. some changes in we could see some changes in fortunes uh, on the back of it as well. Um, I don't think we're going to be disappointed with uh, the job that Team Penske are doing, but I, I think we'll see some other cars moving up the grid with um, a bit more vigour. OK, now uh, there was some testing done last week at Ipswich Raceway. Uh, um, I assume that Triple Eight and DJR Team Penske were both out along with Matt Stone? That's right, and uh, Craig Lowndes took the Sandman out in the... Uh, practice day to test some fly-by-wire technology which appeared to have worked but uh, Roland Dane told Tom Howard at Speed Cafe that he doesn't think it's uh, cost-effective to be rolling it out in the series and as you know the word of the moment in supercars is save money don't spend it so uh, on the back of everyone getting new gearboxes last year I don't think we'll be seeing any high dollar changes to supercars well it's certainly an interesting show this week it's one where we're looking to the future uh and a man who has been involved for over four years with supercars digital formats and particularly their their website supercars.com as he heads off overseas to formula one joining the very large paddock there it's certainly going to be an interesting chat i'm looking forward to a conversation with him a new world that i'm not very aware of as you'd be well known craig Yes, social media has become a huge part of motorsport and sports across Australia, so it would be interesting to get Sam's opinion 
of uh, what's changed in his four and a bit years at Supercars and where he thinks it might be heading. All right, well, after the break, we'll be hearing from Sam Barker from Supercars Digital Media. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske. And you're on Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel. We've got a real treat for our listeners out there today in that we're both saying hello to and goodbye to a man who's been on the ground and one of the central pieces of Supercars world in Sam Supercars manager. And he's leaving at the end of uh, August, I understand. Welcome uh, to Inside Supercars, Sam. Thanks, guys. Great to uh, great to be here and have a chat. So it's a fascinating world. Um, so tell us the world of uh, Supercars Digital Media Manager. Your role, obviously, has been growing in the time you've been there. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you look at the overarching purpose of what um, digital media does for sport and does for supercars, and the reason it really exists is to tell the story of the sport through, through digital mediums. So when we say digital mediums, we're talking about uh, things like websites, social media, uh, social media tools, mobile applications. Uh, it may be an over-the-top streaming product, uh, basically anywhere that, uh, I guess, a computer or a smartphone or a, or a tablet is involved. Um, that's where we're trying to tell the story of the sport. So um, for supercars specifically, what that um, really boils down to is, uh, is producing content, both written content, video content, uh, and making sure that um, we're adequately keeping fans up to date um, as best as we can and um, keeping fans engaged between uh, between the race events and obviously on, on the race weekends as well. Now, you go to every event in the supercars world? Yeah, I have. I've been to every event since Tasmania 2015. Been very, very fortunate to do that and fortunate to work with some, some great people as well in a, in a bunch of different roles. Um, very lucky that there's been some, uh, I guess, iconic supercars moments uh, along the way in that time and, um, you know, the ability to... To tell uh, tell those moments um, to to the supercars digital audiences um, is something which is uh, very uh, something I'm very proud of. Now, your closest collaborator, in fact, is uh, somebody I call the navigator, Stefan Bartholomeus. Yeah, definitely. Stefan and I have um, uh, a very close working relationship, and beyond that, he's a he's a great personal friend as well. And um, you know, even if uh, even if he wasn't a close personal friend of mine, I still um, would would highly commend his work. You know, his um, his uh, his nose for news uh, and his um, understanding of the sport, both from a contemporary and historical context, is uh, is a very good operator. And um, anyone who's been around the sport for a long time, um, yeah, would uh, would certainly not disagree with me. In that. Your time there, which is just over four years, in your time there, how much is your job and, and what you're doing and what you report on, how much has that changed? Oh, a lot. I mean, like when you talk about supercars specifically as the business and how we tackle digital media, when I came here in 2015, it was very much um, 
we had the website and we had um, a, a growing uh, Facebook Facebook audience and, and Twitter audience. You fast forward to um, to 2019 now, and just the the remit uh, and the products and the applications that surround the digital operation have just have just uh, sort of sprawled out over time. So now you've got not only the website and um, sort of two key social channels, you've got um, you've got mobile applications, so that's iOS and Android applications for people who use iPhones and um, and Samsung phones or, or other versions of, of Android phones. Um, you've also got uh, the growth in um, our Superview product, which is our international streaming product. Fans around the world can uh, can watch that. That's come a long way in uh, in the last couple of years. And then you've got sort of side extensions uh, to pieces uh, in the digital world as well. Um, sort of activations like uh, the ability to tip on supercars races and um, compete against your friends in in that context. Uh, and then on the platform side, on social, you see the rise in in um, the biggest one that I've seen since 2015 has obviously been Instagram. That was um, that was really starting to come alight in 2015, and now it's um, it's a very important tool for um, for for every uh, marketer or, or sports or sports person, um, sporting sporting rights holder rather. So uh, lots of changes over time. What yeah. do you think is the key, why has it become so important to a sports property and to businesses in general? Yeah, I mean, like you look at the, the fragmentation of how people um, consume uh, entertainment and media in general. Uh, I, you, you look back, uh, let's say, rewind. You don't have to rewind that far. Let's go back to uh, the, the start of the supercars era in 97 and uh, the internet was very much in its early days and people would, um, what I would say, they would schedule in their programming. You know, they would go, okay, Supercar starts at 3 o'clock, or be at Supercar starts at 3 o'clock. Uh, it's on Channel 10 on a, on a Sunday afternoon, and they would they would do that. Um, very much appointment-based viewing. You fast forward to 2000, uh, 2019, and it's really, uh, the power's really shifted from the media owner, I guess, uh, to, to the consumer in terms of that... Um, that way that they uh, they consume because all of a sudden they're not locked into that uh, that time slot to watch that particular thing. They can jump online, consume uh, consume a whole race. They can consume a, a condensed version of the race. They can consume um, just short snippets of video on social. So I think the fact that um, this digital space is where people really uh, consume the content, um, not not completely, but in addition to that appointment programming on TV. That's, uh, that's why it's so important because so many people are deciding to consume that way. And critically, I would imagine the fact that because supercars and its supercars media and, and digital media is wholly owned, you get to the data and the matrix, you can build the matrix up of what your fans are really interested in as opposed to when it's on TV you might get a ratings figure back, but there's nothing really that you can deep dive and mine to. But now everyone who clicks on something tells you about your fan and tells you about how they want to digest the content. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you as you point out, every sort of um, every video view, uh, every sort of uh, I guess uh, data point or data metric you can think of. Um, is is in some way um, captured by different different systems, and that really does um, does help you help you understand 
um, what's working, what's not working, what fans are responding to, what, what they're not responding to. Uh, and it really does help, um, it does help shape the, the direction that, uh, that guys like Stefan, uh, and guys like the broadcast team can, uh, can take. Um, and also it just helps, uh, at the end of the day, it really helps provide a better product to, to the fan because if we understand what they like, uh, you know, you can go and, and set about doing, doing more of that. You really now are able to focus more because I guess it's a catch-22. You need to be broad enough so uh, to capture new people's interests, but you want to obviously keep uh, the hardcore fans engaged as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it's very important that we look after um, look after our, our hardcore fans who tune in every weekend and, and follow the sport because um, in a digital world in particular on social where the um uh how can i describe it the reach or the the amount of presence that your content will get on the internet has to be driven by the conversation that people generate you have to have those people generating it in the first place so um the there's always um there's always a a bit of a mandate to make sure that we're not just speaking to the hardcore fan that we are broadening out the content base so that um you know you don't have to understand uh, everything about supercars or have a uh, mechanical engineering degree to enjoy our content um, but at the same time we want to make sure that people who really do care about the nitty-gritty stuff are, are serviced as well so um, yeah I think it's that and then the day supercars uh, it is a great product it's just about making sure we tell it in the right way that uh, you know a, a broad range of people can enjoy it. So how many people are working with you and under you? So at the moment in the digital team uh, it's really ca- comprised of, um, of, I think you could say, five key people. There's, uh, there's myself as digital manager. There's Stefan as, as digital editor. There's a second journalist under um, uh, working underneath Stefan. Uh, there's uh, I've got an offsider who's working across a, a large remit of, of digital areas, including a little bit of social. Um, and there's a videographer as well. Um, coming online uh, in the next couple of months will be a social media manager for supercars just dedicated to doing that, which is, um, which is an important step because as a collective team, we've, um, we've, uh, sort of taken on the task of managing on social together, but we've got definitely got a critical mass to the point now where we need to have a, a full-time dedicated resource doing that rather than all of us sort of having eyes on it. It needs better to be a point man for it day to day. So, um, we're going to make sure that that role gets filled. Now, of course, we'd say supercars, but supercars as a company runs the main game, the Virgin Australian Championship, if I uh, use the correct name. It also has the Dunlop Super 2s, the Utes. There's more to it than just one series. So how do you balance up the obvious focus on on the main category to be able to then work out how much how much to feed in the supports without diluting the main category's focus? Yeah, that, that's a, that is a tricky thing. That is a tricky thing to balance because the support categories are uh, a hugely important part of the ecosystem of, uh, of supercars. You know, when you look at Super 2, and that's, um, that's not, only a, uh, not only a proving ground for younger drivers coming to come up through, uh, through into the main game, but it also serves as an, an important part of the economic cycle of the business, um, particularly for the teams who are building these cars and then there's a resale value back down to uh, back down to Super 2. So it's important that that category um, continues to uh, continues to, to do well um, and, and we service it um, and we service it, uh, service it as best as we can. 
um, there's no hard and fast rule on how do we decide how much to do or, or, or not to do. I mean, naturally, we have to put the bulk of our time and effort into um, into the big super, uh, the, the main game, I guess you could say, uh, because that is where we, uh, that's where the volume of the general public, um, that's what they associate with, that's the drivers they associate with, that's the venues they associate with as well, um, associate that. So, uh, there's no hard and fast rule on how we do it. Um, we do owe it to the competitors of those categories to make sure that we're, um, that we're adequately covering it. Um, I should have mentioned before, there's also, um, there's also a part-time resource who writes, um, a couple of support category stories, um, per week for us as well. Um, so yeah, there's no, to answer your question, there's no hard and fast rule. We just need to make sure that, um, we are looking after the circuit again. One of the things that's changed, certainly in the time you've been there, in the four years, um, is advertising and social media. We all know that whether it's Facebook or Instagram or any of the other platforms, that's been a, a big change and obviously something important for supercars and all their commercial uh, associates and obviously something that preys on your mind uh, quite a deal. That obviously something that preys on your mind uh, quite a deal. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, there's um, it's it's very frequently that um, the internal commercial team at Supercars, uh, you know, is talking to the digital team about content ideas and things that can roll out. I think the underlying premise uh, of those sort of um, arrangements and partnerships is I, I I drum this back into the commercial team, and they and they they are on board with it as well. Is it needs to be an authentic story. It needs to be. Uh, it needs to be something which fans can relate to because uh, the days of social being a uh, oh, it's a free it's a free marketing channel. Uh, it, it is, but only if you do it uh, according to the way that your followers want want to see it. So um, I guess a, uh, a good example of um, of us rolling that out is. Uh, there's a there's a partnership with Shell which revolves around the uh, top performing driver of the weekend. Uh, that's a nice integration where it's built into the telecast at the end of the race. Um, there's a prompt for people to go and vote for their favourite driver. It's then built into Trackside, which is the program following the race. Uh, that's then followed up on social on race day, the day after, and then on the Wednesday following each event, we're announcing who the top performer of the weekend was. So we're building in all the different elements we're building in the broadcast element we're building in the social element and people uh people genuinely get into the feedback loop of um oh i'm going to vote for my driver how did my driver go uh i'm going to uh disagree or agree with where the standings of this poll are at and along the way there's um along the way there's exposure for that um exposure for, for shell um and you look at the message that that shell are trying to push out and that's all around uh, you know, the V-Power product being a top-performing fuel and being a, a market leader in that sense. And that's what the, that activation is built around is, is performance. So that's a very nice, tight uh, integration. And uh, ones like that are the ones that, that do the best. How much in, in your job, uh, how much do the, the advertisers and the sponsors and your associates, how much do they drive the content of what you put out there? Oh, I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a hard thing to say um, in terms of, how how do they drive the content? They uh, they definitely don't they don't set the day to day editorial tone. I mean the, the priority there is on um, telling the story of the sport and engaging the fans. And the best um, the best outcome 
for um, any partner or sponsor is always going to be authentically integrating into what the fans want, which is the story that we're trying to tell. Um, so I wouldn't say that um, the commercial agenda drives the, uh, the editorial in that partnership sense um, because that's not how you get the best results. Uh, the best results are done when you build um, build the sentiment or the messaging of the brand into um, something which fans are going to fans are going to engage with. Okay. So after the break, we'll be back with Sam Barker of Digital Supercars Media. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to up, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones I'm from the Cool Drive Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Now, before we talk about your future, and it's coming up soon, where you're relocating to somewhere up north somewhere but before you get to that let's talk about how you got to where you are now what's your background is motorsport to bob up early in your working life yeah i think uh yeah i would say the answer the answer to that is yes i mean i grew up i grew up in newcastle um not too far at all from where from where the truck is in in town in there now in november each year and uh went to went to school in newcastle i went to university in newcastle and uh, I actually did a bit of sports marketing work for the holding company that was operating the Newcastle Knights and the Newcastle Jets while I was at uni. Um, so that was a bit of early days exposure to, I guess you could say, sports marketing. And through through that um, experience, I was put in touch with um, uh, a member of the events team at Supercars, a guy called Murray Hodges, who um, is a, was a, a very big influence on my career in the early days. And he brought me along to Bathurst in a work experience capacity in 2012. Uh, and from there, Murray actually moved on from Supercars, but I stayed on and did a couple more events and uh, actually looped back in with him at a company called Brand Events based out of Sydney. And they had the licence to run the Top Gear Festival, um, which was held out at, uh, out at Sydney Motorsport Park, where they brought out the Top Gear presenters and they had Weber and the following year Ricardo doing the, uh, the Red Bull F1 show car. And then off the back of that, um, I did a couple of contracts and then managed to pick up um, a job at, uh, at Supercars. And that was, uh, that was 2015 and then Supercars since then. But one thing which really helped me at Supercars was uh, the, I had a, a strong understanding of the sport coming into it, having followed it um, as a fan probably I would say intently since the early 2000s, um, and and obviously understanding the historic moments before that, and that was really key in um, helping me get get by and navigate the supercars world because I was um, concentrating on learning the the digital craft and not having to stress so much about the content uh, and more or the, the my understanding of the sport because I already had that so. Uh, and Formula One, yeah, is um, the, the next extension of all this, I guess. Before we talk about that, though, I, I'm interested because you've seen a couple of changes of management over your mm-hmm. time. How has the change of management and their intricacies of what they want to focus on influenced how the online presence of supercars has been uh, positioned in 
in the business? Yeah, I think um, the, the the overarching thing in um, in all of the the management structures that I've worked under is um, is that they're very supportive of digital and their understanding of the space, uh, and they they want um, the digital ecosystem of um, of supercars to to grow. Um, they're very keen on having. Um, they're very keen on uh, us um, expanding the digital product into. And I know Sean has gone on record and said about things like OTT before and producing extra content. Um, you know that's uh, that's sort of not necessarily your typical day to day supercar content, but more um, that sort of broad, broader appealing appealing content um so they've all been um so supportive the the whole way through i think um the the management typically uh they've got um digital is important to them but they've also got some pretty big things pretty big things to focus on so they've really just left it to um or not left it but they've um let the digital team with regard to building out the ecosystem um do do their thing one of the interesting things of background of the antipodes in uh, formula one in that uh, if you were a Formula One team, you had to have at least an Australian Zealander on your staff. Can-do people used to um, doing what was necessary for the job and making sure that everything was covered before. Now you're stepping into that same fold in London in Formula One. Sam, it's a a great opportunity, but it's a great accolade for this sport for you to be uh, taking up that role. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's it's a bit of... Uh, I'm very excited, but there's also a part of me which is which is a little bit um, sort of sad to be leaving the, the supercars family behind because the re- the reality is that, um, uh, that you know me working at Formula One doesn't happen without um, without uh, the time I've spent here at supercars and um, particularly the people um, who've helped me along the way to do what I do and uh, I guess in a way I do when I when I go over there and, and do the, the the work with um, with F1 and Bomb. Um, I'll be I'll be flying a, a strong supercars flag and uh, making sure that uh, that people know that what we've got here down under is uh, is a pretty is a pretty cool thing. It's a great accolade for supercars and for you personally. You worked with these people from Formula One World early this year, I understand, at the Melbourne Grand Prix. Uh, so I haven't. I, I wouldn't say I've actually worked with these guys before, but um, I've I've had um, obviously a lot of phone conversations with them. Um, I understand the, the backgrounds of the people who I'm going to be working with, and uh, they're very um, they're very entrenched in the Formula One uh, universe. They have been for um, the bulk of their of their lives. They're switched on guys when it comes to digital. I think um, I'm going I'm going into a strong team with a already a strong uh, strong product and strong output. So I'm just hoping to uh, to really go there. Add some value um, and and help them uh, help them progress things along. One thing that I'm interested in is I spoke to um, Alan Gow earlier in the year, who of course runs the uh, British Touring Car Championship, and he said he came very late to the party on the digital platforms because he'd always focused so heavily on uh, free-to-air television. Where do you think um, supercars and Formula One are? In the scheme of digital offerings, um, I think it's uh, they're in a they're in a, a difficult they're in a difficult position because um, obviously the the ecosystem of motorsport across the world, um, in a lot of senses, relies on um, 
you know, uh, key, key revenue sources being divided up amongst stakeholders, including teams, to ensure that there's a there's a team. Uh, to, sorry, to ensure that the teams are sustainable, to make sure that they can they can keep racing and the product continues on and, and the cycle continues. Uh, but I think it would be it'd be interesting to see where it goes over the next five years because you started sort of starting to see it already where there are there are only so many direct to consumer or direct to fan offerings that that the general public can can take up and what i mean by that is if you've got um let, let's talk about a subscription based offering where you could pay to watch um your favorite form of motorsport uh direct on their website or their app uh regardless of where you are in the world if you've got to do that for your four or five favorite sports there's there's going to be some sort of tipping point as to how many uh services fans want to subscribe to and how much they want to pay you know, if you're a, if you're an equal fan, if you're if you're an NRL guy, and then below that you're equally a, a supercars guy and a, um, a, a world surf league guy, and you're paying for all these products, like who 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 misses out in that pie? So um, I think that they're taking some good steps forward, but it'll just be interesting to see what the what the fan reaction is to all of these like direct to, to market products. Uh, that I don't, I don't know how it's going to roll out. A couple of team owners and particularly uh, corporate managers and commercial managers have said to me uh, probably five or six years ago is they felt like they were being locked out in the online space where particularly over race weekends they wanted to offer more video, digital offerings uh, uh, through their websites and through their uh, media channels and they felt like they never were allowed to, and in some cases the uh, the television contracts locked in the internet contracts. Do you think we're seeing a lot more freedom now, particularly over race weekends, for teams to sort of maximise their own social and web products? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, the particularly the last uh, 12 to 24 months uh, in supercars land, the um, the broadcast or the key broadcaster in Fox has been um, has been very very understanding of how important it is for the teams to be able to to generate um, to generate content and raise awareness to their fan bases and audiences about what they're doing and the fact that the racing is on. Uh, I mean, you you have to sort of commend the work of um, guys like um, James Harrison who looks after Fox Motorsport and, and Nathan Prendergast doing TV at Supercars um, they've really made sure that um, you know we're, we're pushing along in letting the teams do a bit more with um, with vision um, both at the event and after the event you know the teams are getting um, little compiles of track vision uh, which that's, that's been happening for quite a while but they're allowed to you know run that on social um, that's that's a great step forward during the race weekend when uh, as supercars we're uploading content to Facebook we're starting to make that available for teams to share on their pages based on the, the videos that we cut the teams themselves are doing a lot of day wraps and things like that uh, and I think the the overarching mantra of or we have to make sure that um, every possible fan who would want to watch this thing knows it's on and we have to use all of our um, collective might to uh, to, to, to get that message out there, I think that's, um, that's really starting to take hold. Uh, you know, we're really starting to understand how important that is. Mm. Do you see a time where uh, you mentioned Sean's 
interest in having more off-track and between-race weekend content. Do you see a time when Nathan's going to be producing building made for web, made for social programs, which are off-track? Yeah, I mean, I can't... um... I can't speak specifically for plans that, that Sean and, and Nathan might have. That's questions for them, for them to answer. But I think that it's definitely um, it's definitely something which is very much on their radar, and they're just assessing uh, you know what the best way to to roll to roll that out is. I know there's a couple of sort of concepts floating around at the, at the moment that they're, they're having a look at. Um, but yeah, I think uh, they they definitely have a mindset of producing more things adjacent to race weekends for um, consumption on a, on a on a bunch of different platforms all with the overarching goal of yeah keeping keeping the fans engaged between events this concept of being always on and um, and on top of that expanding the, the the reach and the kinds of people who understand and, uh, and want to watch supercars well we've always been wanting to get inside supercars on the supercar website so maybe that's one thing you can wrap up before you leave <laughs> maybe maybe if, and if not you can have a chat with seven yeah that's right it's been wonderful talking to you, Sam. We uh, wish you well in your new venture uh, in London. You leave when? Uh, my last day at Supercars is the 16th of August, and then uh, it's over to the UK on the 26th of August. So uh, it's all going to come up pretty quick. All right. And and your first Formula One event then will be where? As far as travelling goes, that's, that's not 100% locked down, but the first one I will work on will be uh, uh, the Italian Grand Prix. Best of luck with it all, Sam. I'm sure you'll absolutely knock a mix. Thank you so much for joining us on Inside Supercars. That's joining Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel was Sam Barker from Supercars Digital Media Manager who heads from his next venture. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, guys. After the break, our final thoughts on this week's Inside Supercars with Craig Gravel and Tony Whitlock. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to Inside Supercars, this is Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske. Enjoy the show. Craig, there have been plenty of things happening around uh, motorsport, um, most of them uh, not involving supercars. I mean, certainly great to see that TCR has uh, well and truly uh, got itself underway and plenty of good competitive racing. Um, and it's interesting that uh, the latest development at uh, Australian Racing Group, the, the organisation which owns the commercial rights to TCR as well as Super 5000 in Australia, that they're now just taking on TCM, the Touring Car Masters, is moving across. Now, I, I'm not sure of uh, what background there is to it, but it can only be assistance. I would suggest in future negotiations for TCM with uh, getting on the supercars bill, making sure they get value for money. Would you agree there? Yes, and TCR has been confirmed at the Grand Prix. Whilst we've talked over the last couple of weeks how there seems to be a, a move to try and get them out of Adelaide. So uh, that is good news for the TCR category. 
um, that they are going to be on the AGP. And Craig, your final thought for this week's Inside Supercars? I've just been enjoying all the toing and froing for the Supercars Endurance Grid. And whilst not everyone's been announced, there are a lot of names appearing as co-drivers which are going to be great to see. Thomas Randall is expected to be with Lee Holsworth, and that could be a, uh, a good combination. And a lot of people are interested to see how this former open-wheel driver who cut his teeth overseas will be uh, shaping up once he gets into the big series. Michael Caruso moves to Tickford. We've got Bryce Forward, who's leading the Super 2 category, going to be driving an ISM with Andre Heimgardner. Um, Ash Walsh returns. Stephen Richards and Mark Winterbottom link up again, but this time in a Holden. Jack Perkins, who's driving Super 2s this weekend, is going to be with James Courtney. Now, those two have had some interesting years in the endurance. Richard Muscat's getting a Guernsey with James Goulding over at GRM. But the big question is, will Richie Stanway be joining Chris Pither or will they have to go for a super sub of a different nature to have Chris Pither then be the lead driver in that car? You, of course, have Leon's and Wing Cup, which is going to be fascinating, and Tanda and Van Gisbergen, another great combination that could really challenge. And you have to wonder if Triple Eight uh, uh, is going, we can't get the championship now, but we can certainly make a dent into the Enduro Cup and, more importantly, a 1 2 at Bathurst. Finally, you've got the Kapitstecki brothers. Now, of course, Brody and Jake are going to be teaming up in their own car. So. That's an interesting combination as well. But, of course, we've got this weekend, we've got uh, the two races at Queensland Raceway. Then we've got a pair of races at the Bend, Taylor Bend, and then New Zealand before, finally, we get our first hit out in the Pertec Enduro Cup for 2019 at Bathurst. And that in itself is going to be really interesting to see for the first time the Enduros starting their campaign at the mountain. Well, that's it for Inside Supercars this week. So thank you for Craig and thank you for listening. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.